It is good to be together, yay. Um, man, it's good to be in God's presence together, just singing and lingering. Um, I'm noticing a lot of Hawaiian shirts out there, and I'm, I'm so glad, and I, I'm not wearing one. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. I completely forgot. I've been a little ill this week. I, I didn't have COVID, but I've had like, and I keep going on about first Sundays, Hawaiian Sundays, and look at me. I mean, well done to all of you guys, keeping it alive, and uh, I'll, I'll do better. I'll do better. Um, some of you have asked me about Heidi's dad. We told you a few weeks ago that Heidi's dad was in a severe car accident. Well, the good news is he's recovered out of hospital. Uh, they've done the drive from Joburg back to... Thank you, guys. They're back in Durban, back home, and, uh, and doing really, really well. So thank you for your prayers, and uh, feel free to redirect those prayers uh, to others that are ill and sick amongst us. Um, man, we're in, we're in week, week three of a series that we've called, that we're calling This Is Us. I've loved it. I've loved just getting into God's Word and and getting my head around what he's saying and some of these things. I mean, it's been awesome. What, what we're wanting to do and what has been happening to me and hopefully in the life of the church is we're bringing this like fresh clarity into the biblical conviction of who we believe God has called us to be, of who God is causing us to become. We've had two years of being dispersed, two years of being disconnected, and we feel like, hey, as we start to gather together again, Let's remind ourselves of who God is causing us to be. So we've looked at we're a God-dependent people. We've looked at we're a gospel-defined people. Today we're going to see that we are a presence people. We're a people who are meant to live in God's presence. And then next week, Collie's chatting to us. We're a commissioned people. We're a committed people. And we are a maturing people. Now, this stuff doesn't come from like a strategic meeting that we had and decided, hey, who should we be? This is as we look at God's Word, as we see what God's Word teaches us about the local church, these are our convictions. And I think it's awesome. You know, in a culture that's so fluid, things are changing all the time, um, isn't it great that we get to go to God's Word to find our meaning and purpose for life. We don't have to find it. We don't have to generate it. We don't have to create it for ourselves. We don't have to keep it up. We don't have to keep it going. All of these things in God's kindness are gifted to us through faith in Him. So we place our faith in Him. He gives us identity. He gives us purpose. He establishes us. He gives us His presence. I mean, it's just beautiful. One caution before I keep going is that if you've been coming to church for a long time, maybe even to this church, I don't want you to think information. I'm not just trying to tell you who we are because we all forgot for the last two years and, you know, just write it down and so you all remember. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, that's part of it. But really, as we speak about these things, as we open God's Word, we're expecting ourselves to be transformed. I mean, we're expecting the Spirit of God to speak to us and, and stir us up through the Word of God. And that actually our lives begin to change, that we make tweaks, that we don't leave week in and week out the same as we came in. I mean, I mean, God is at work in us, speaking to us, convicting us, encouraging us, correcting us. And so let me pray to that end right now. God, we want to invite you 
to meet with us in powerful ways. As we open your word, that it would, it would go into our minds, but penetrate our minds into our hearts, into our spirits. God, that we would hear your voice through all that's being said, that we would be transformed, changed, renewed, because we want to become more and more like you. Amen. I'm especially excited about today because I think it's something we need to hear more about in our increasingly busy lives. I mean, simply just getting to everything that's demanded of us today is almost impossible. But I want to answer the question, um, how do we do all this stuff? I mean, how do we sustain a life with these characteristics, like individually, maybe as a family, but also us as a, as a family of God. I mean, how do we keep this thing going? And the answer is, we are a people who are to live in God's presence. We're a presence people. And as we live in God's presence, I'm gonna speak about today, God does these things by his grace in our lives. Do you know the most recurring theme in scripture in, in one way or another is this idea. I will be their God and they will be my people. This is what God's been doing since the beginning of time. He's, he's all about gathering a people to himself. I mean, ecclesia, that's what uh, Greek for the church, it means the called out ones. He's calling out a people from all the peoples of the earth to be his people and he's going to be their God. And it's always been like this with God. For Christ followers... The life, our life, our vitality, the power of God at work in our lives, it comes to us through his presence. We're his people and he is our God. That's what makes us unique. That's what makes us the people of God. And you can see it from the beginning of time, Genesis 3. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord amongst the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He's used to being together with them. They're living in his presence. Moses understood this. Exodus 33, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Again, Psalms. You're going to read this psalm in, in Life Group this week. It says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Now, how's that for a nice thought? You go to bed at night, you rest secure. You can just release and relax and sleep in the presence of God. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You have filled me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And, and you pick up Jesus uh, does the same teaching. He follows the same theme, but he uses some beautiful imagery to help us grasp what it means to be a people of God's presence for us. So let's read from John 15. It says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I mean, the imagery here is just so rich and beautiful. I mean, I know we're familiar with this text and this imagery, but it helps us to understand our life as Christ followers, that your life and my life and our lives are to be lived, are to be seen as lives that need to be vitally connected to God. It's how we ought to be living, vitally connected to God. I mean, a branch draws its sustenance, its life, ultimately its fruitfulness from the vine. And the vine is what's giving growth, what's giving increase, what's giving fruit and power. I was chatting to Colin Young, and he was playing some golf. He says that the harvests are ripe right now for harvest. Um, The grapes are ripe, the vines are ripe for harvest. And he says, there's just so much fruit hanging on those vines. I mean, like vines are some of the most fruitful plants out there. You know, they need the trellises, the wires, just to, just to keep them up. Well, Jesus says of our lives that we're to, we will bear much fruit as we remain in him. And the awesome thing, this fruit, it's, it's to my Father's glory. I mean, isn't that how we want to live our lives for the Father's glory? Let me twist this around. A different way of looking at this picture is to consider what it would look like when the branch is cut off from the vine. I mean, what happens when you you cut that branch off the vine? Well, immediately it starts to die. You leave that lying in the sun for any period of time, and it's going to wither quite quickly. Let me take it even a step further. It doesn't matter how long that branch has been in the vine before you cut it off, it's going to start to weather. It doesn't matter how fruitful that vine has been last season or last year. or you, you cut that branch off, it's going to start to wither almost immediately. Let me stop for a second and, and just speak to Christ followers. I mean, maybe you've been following Jesus for quite some time. Maybe a couple of decades. Maybe you're feeling like man, I, I just don't seem to experience God like I used to. I just don't feel like I can hear God's voice as clearly as I used to. I just don't, don't feel like I, I, I can understand what God wants or needs from me. I'm, I'm experiencing God as a bit distant and, and far off and removed from my everyday life. I'm not feeling fruitful. I'm not feeling useful to God in my everyday life. I mean, could it be? Could it be that you should consider these words again? Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Maybe it's not the busyness of life. Maybe it's not the demands, you know, or the pull or the distraction of culture and and busyness that's the cause of this. It's what these things do to us. What they do to us is take us away from God's presence, distract us, 
Jesus doesn't, doesn't say withdraw from the world, by the way. He doesn't say, like, don't take on any responsibility. Don't worry about all the things you have to do. Just ignore it all. No, no, he doesn't say withdraw from the world, but he does say, stay in me. Stay vitally connected to me, Christ follower. You know, as, as quickly my irrigation system stopped working, and uh, can go to the next picture. And I, I could tell because it went extremely brown very quickly. And uh, as soon as you start putting the water back onto that grass, it's incredible how quickly you see these little green shoots, the, the other one, Z. You see these little green shoots starting to come through that grass so quickly. It's just incredible how when that source of life falls onto something, wow, you start to see that growth. But the reverse is also true. Remain in me, says Jesus, and I will remain in me, in you. No branch can bear lasting fruit on its own. And I think one of the purposes of this imagery of a vine and branches is this, that there's no substitute for proximity to God. There's no substitute for being close to God's presence. I mean, that's it. The Christian life is a life lived in God's presence, vitally connected to Him. I mean, think for a moment just about the idea of discipleship or followership. Here's an interaction with uh, some of John the Baptist's disciples as they encounter Jesus. We learn a principle here. It says, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following him and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the 10th hour. See, implicit in this idea of followership is this idea of being with. Following means being with. I mean, I think we struggle a bit today because following is very different for us, isn't it? Today, you follow someone through a click. I mean, you don't need to know them. They don't need to know you. You could have just heard about them. You know, you get the very best of their ideas. You get the very best of their photos and the very best, you know, highlights of their life and their week. You know, maybe if you know, you'll see them on your feed sometimes and you can stay vaguely connected. Let's be honest. Some guys you befriend, you never, ever see or hear from ever again. In Jesus' day, it was nothing like that. Following Jesus meant packing up your bags, getting up, and going. You moved. You upended your entire life to follow him. You left your previous life behind. You left your rhythms behind. Your life, your temper, your movements, your priorities. You surrendered all of those things, and you said, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to take on his tempo, his priorities, his life, his rhythms. You see this beautiful surrender, this transformation that comes as we follow. In the ancient world, they, in the ancient world, they used to bless people by saying, "May you be caked in the dust of your rabbi." It's like, "May you be following him so closely that the sand, the dust that kicks up as he walks, that it would just fall all over you." I mean, that's following Jesus. The question is, how do we do that today? 
Sometimes it feels like it was easier for, for maybe Adam and Eve, maybe easier for the disciples because they literally could follow Jesus' body. So it was easy. But what about after the ascension? What about after Jesus went to heaven? Well, Jesus actually prepared his disciples for this eventuality, and so he teaches us now. So turn back a page from John 15. You get to John 14 and you read this. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I mean, beautiful. I think verse 18 for me is, is powerful. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, maybe sometimes we feel like God's far away or distant or He's kind of been involved in our lives and then he's gone off and we're going to make it and then we'll meet again down the line. That's, that's not the God that we follow. He is with us, but actually in us. Andre uh, from Weinberg in Tumwe, he's got two orphans living with him. It's his late sister's kids that live with them. And he says, he says orphans, it's an extremely difficult life. He says they're always insecure Always unsure and afraid about tomorrow. Will tomorrow be the day when my world falls apart? Will tomorrow be the day that my foundations are pulled out from under me? Is tomorrow the day I'm going to feel lost and abandoned all over again? And he says, he and Sabrina, they just have to work so hard and be so diligent and consistent about saying, we will never leave you, we will never forsake you, we will never abandon you. And Jesus wants the same for us. Christ follower, you are not lost in this world. You are not alone in this world. You are not forgotten. You're not abandoned. Jesus promises his presence with you through the indwelling power of the Spirit. In fact, did you know that Jesus said, it's better for you that I go because when I go, my Father will send the Spirit. And so actually, we've got it better off than the disciples did in the very presence of Jesus in his body. So the fact that the Spirit lives within us means in some ways that we're always in God's presence. I mean, if you're looking for God's presence, you don't have to look far, Christ follower. It's in you. But what does it mean for us to stay vitally connected to the Spirit? It's a very good question because this is how we, we live in God's presence. And the answer is, partly I think it, it's about increasingly acknowledging the presence of God within us. I think as Christ followers, we have to increasingly acknowledge and be aware of the presence of God that is with us, but actually in us. It's about learning to live in two places at one time. You know, you're at home and you're with Jesus. You're exercising and you're with Jesus. You're at school and you're with Jesus. You're dating and you're with Jesus. And how, how, think about this. You're not with the idea of Jesus you're not with the teachings of Jesus. You're with Jesus himself through the presence of his Holy Spirit. You can encounter him, not just stuff about him. I mean, that's what makes the Christian faith so beautiful and unique. Now, you might have heard this saying before. 
The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But I think if we're honest as Christ followers, we fall into this trap sometimes. You know, we, we get a vision for the kind of life that's possible in God. You know, we get a vision for what God's calling us to. We're at home. We, you know, we've got all the willpower. We really want to do this thing. We want, to, we want to take hold of it. And then we just go back into the same rhythms of life, same lifestyle. Not, nothing really changes. And what happens? That, that vision just dies out. It just gets crowded out because of all the competing visions of culture on us all the time. There's no fruit But what would happen if we reorientated our lives around being in God's presence? What if that became a priority for us as Christ followers? What would change? What would you need more of or less of? What would come into your diary? What would go out of your diary? What new habits or rhythms would you you put in place that as a Christ follower, You became increasingly aware and vitally connected to the Spirit of God within you. Here's a quote from Dallas Willard. He says, The first and most basic thing we can do and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to Him. Here's some practical advice. In the early time of our practicing, we may feel we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new, graceful habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole, star, the pole star of our inward being. He speaks about practicing the presence of God. It's a, it's a phrase coined from Brother Lawrence. And, and practicing, practice in the terms of, you know, you go to cricket practice. You, you do something, and as you're doing it, you're improving. You're forming a habit. You're upskilling. It doesn't mean you're bowling a perfect ball every time you bowl. It doesn't mean you never make mistakes. It doesn't mean, you know, it just means you're practicing. You're doing. You're engaging. It's like you're forming this habit. You're coaching yourself to more and more be comfortable in this space, to more and more be able to experience and become aware of God's presence. It's like a habit you develop to consciously put yourself in the presence of God. I mean, I think it's obvious that this doesn't happen haphazardly. That, that we don't just start doing this. We actually need to be intentional. We actually need to, to decide that this is something we want. We, we want to be in the presence of God. We want to live vitally connected to God. We want to be fruitful for God's glory. And so we reorganize. It's the best thing we can do as Christ followers to enrich our lives, to be a blessing to those around us, to see cultural renewal and people's lives impacted. The very best thing we can do is to practice the presence of God, put ourselves right there in His presence. So let's explore some of these habits, just speaking practically for a bit. Morning and evening prayers are a way that we can do this. So your alarm goes off in the morning, What's the first thing you do? Maybe it's News 24, maybe Facebook, maybe emails. 
What if you left your phone on silent or bedtime mode and you just took 20 minutes and you started your day by just freshly affirming and acknowledging God's spirit within you, that God himself is with you and you bring yourself into his presence. Maybe you invite God's spirit to to stir your heart in love toward him to stir your heart toward the things he loves, to stir your heart to bring him glory as the day goes on. Maybe you, you whip out your diary, but not on your phone, and, and you just bring your, your appointments to him, your relations to him, your activities of the day to him, and you just say, God, I, I want to acknowledge that you're going to be with me in all of these moments today, and, and would you speak? Would you be active, God? I want to do this in your presence. You know, as we start to do that, our lives take on a whole new flavor, a whole new dimension, a whole new kind of fruitfulness. And at the end of the day, you can just take a couple of moments before bed to just reflect. God, thank you that you are with me today. God, I saw your grace in those moments. God, I'm sorry about that. Maybe there's a bit of repentance needed. Or, hey, God, uh, I knew I shouldn't have done that. And God, but tomorrow will you be with me? And God's not looking for us to knock it out the park every day. He's not looking for a hundred percenters this is practicing. This is putting ourselves, this is developing a habit. Remember what Dallas Willard said, by the way, in the beginning you get very distracted. Think about everything and anything but what you want to think about, and that's okay. These are just habits, and the more we do it, the more, uh, the easier it'll become. Then you've got memorizing scripture. Something else you can do. The last scripture that I memorized is this. Be confident in this that he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. I mean, I preached that a little while ago. You don't even have to know where it's from. Somewhere in Philippians, somewhere in the New Testament. Maybe you struggle with a bit of memory. Maybe out of this passage, you could just remember the words, remain in me. So you walk, you go throughout your day and you remember, remain in me. Maybe you face a temptation. Maybe you're tempted. And in that moment, you remember, remain in me. Maybe you're tempted to hit the snooze button just one more time. And you remember, remain in me. Remain in me. Just start by putting the word of God into our minds, into our hearts. And the spirit stirs up God's word for us. It's, it's how we put ourselves how we vitally connect ourselves with God. There's other things, meditating on scripture, silence and solitude, fasting. I mean, daily reading God's word, but not just reading it, so daily reading it, reflecting on what you've read, and then, and then just prayerfully responding for a moment. I mean, like 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, just reading, reflecting, praying on God's word, putting ourselves into, into his presence. Dallas Willard, he goes on to write, he says, as we continue this practice, gently but persistently, we soon will find the person of Jesus and his beautiful words are automatically occupying our minds instead of the clutter of the world, even the church world. I just love that thought of persistently. Now, you think of this imagery that Jesus gave us of branch, vine, uh, grapes, fruitfulness, it's organic. It's like it takes time. There's a process involved. There's, there's like seasons. I think sometimes we treat our relationship with God like more transactional, like a tap. Like, hey, God, I'm coming to you today. Turn on the tap. Turn off the tap. I mean, 
is, is it the, our culture of instant gratification? You know, are we wanting to live in these mountaintop experiences? Are we always wanting to engage with God in this, you know, super crazy encounter? That's not the imagery that God gives us. He says, spend time in me. Reorientate your life towards me. Little by little, just keep yourself in my presence. Keep lingering. Keep bringing yourself. And we're going to see that fruit. People will see that we are called out ones. I mean, there's, there's other practices, but here's two books. If you're really wanting to, to go on a journey, I, I want to encourage you. These two books are both really helpful. I wish John Ortberg had called his book something else because it just sounds very self-helpy, but it really is an exceptional read around disciplines, around how we as Christ followers can build rhythms into our lives and, and really practical. I would really encourage you to read that. I've been talking about individual stuff, but there's also family practices, family things we do to bring ourselves into God's presence because that's where we want to live, vitally connected to God. And so we believe that when we meet like this on a Sunday, that God shows up in a way that he cannot and does not when we're on our own. That's why the scriptures tell us when two or three are gathered in his name, he's there in the midst of us. That's why Hebrew tells us, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. There's obviously something there that God wants for us, and so we're urged not to give up. You know, we're, we're not just upholding a tradition of Sunday meetings or, or that we don't like you going up the mountain on a Sunday morning, so we bring you to church. Now, we believe that when we gather in the name of Jesus, that he's present with us in special ways, that lives are impacted, that spirits are healed, even bodies are healed, that God restores that he encourages, that he uplifts, that he corrects. I mean, God's presence, and it's not only through the preaching of the word, it can be through singing songs. It can be through conversation after a meeting. You know, maybe this person next to you thinks, wow, even this really good-looking person just loves God so much. We, we encourage each other. God is present. God urges us towards maturity when we gather together corporately like this in ways that he doesn't when we are on our own. So as we sing, as we connect, as we listen, God's doing something unique. I will be their God and they will be my people, not person. God doesn't have a called out one. He is gathering the called out ones together. He's building his church as Christ followers, we have to be vitally connected to the people of God. That's what he's been doing. It's what makes us unique of all the peoples. So we bring the overflow of our prayer and the overflow of our time in the presence of God as we gather together for the sake of the gathering, for the sake of the world. I mean, can you imagine if we gather together every Sunday morning and, and we're all bringing with us the overflow of our time in God's presence you know, maybe you're going to be coming with a word that you feel like, man, God really spoke to me, but I think it's not just for me. It'll encourage the church. Oh, man, as I was in God's presence for the church, I saw this or I heard that. We want to make more and more space for that in, in our meetings, in our gatherings. You can always just come and chat to us up front if you want to share something. But, man, I think there's something more that God still has for us. Then there's life groups, spending time together in God's presence in these smaller communities. 
You know, it's, it's where we care for people. It's where we get a sense of belonging. We experience God's presence also through his people. You know, we, we get, get some of his care, some of his love, some of his acceptance. But do you know that when you gather in a life group, you're gathering in the presence of God? So you open God's word with expectancy. You pray for each other. You pray that the power of God is unleashed on each other's lives. You pray that the power of God would stir people into maturity, that the power of God will lead and guide people, restore people, help people through difficult times, help them navigate relationships, help them honor and glorify God. You're praying that the power of God will be at work amongst you. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We don't do these things because we feel more spiritual, because they make us feel better. We do them because we're putting ourselves in God's presence as he leads us, as he guides us. You know, sometimes I feel like when, when I stand up front and I encourage people to come to church on Sundays or I say, hey, why don't you join a life group? Sometimes it can sound like, I don't know if it sounds like it to you, but I feel like it sounds like that, that I'm asking you to do me a favor. Like, hey, please, you know, can you? But the truth is, these are opportunities created so you can do yourself a favor and put yourself in the presence of God amongst his people where he's placed you. So when you gather together in a family meeting like this or in your life group, how expectant are you? I mean, are you thinking, man, God is going to be present here in a way that he's not going to be present when we're all alone at home? You know, what are we listening out for? Oh, you know, the band, Ify, the sound, Don didn't wear a shirt, went on too long again. I mean, that's what you can walk away from week in and week out. Or are you listening to discern God's voice? Are you listening for the whispers of God's spirit, for the truth of his word to, to penetrate your heart, to call you to more, to nudge you, to love you, to come around you? We bring ourselves into the presence of God when we meet together. It's a beautiful thing, right? Okay, as I wrap up two opposing questions. What if we don't pursue vital connection with God's presence? What if we don't? You've heard this axiom. Every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. Your lifestyle is perfectly designed to either take you towards or away from time in God's presence. Do you know that? If we're not intentional, if we're not serious, if we're not stirring up a hunger for God's presence and actually putting ourselves in God's presence, we're simply going to get swallowed up by culture. Culture's going to determine our purpose. Culture's going to determine our identity. Culture's going to teach us who we are, what we ought to be doing with our lives. The voice of God will just grow dimmer and we're going to wither. And never before has history, in history has life demanded so much of you. Billions of rands spent on devices and apps and algorithms that are designed to do one thing. Get your attention and keep your attention for as long as possible. That doesn't sound like the enemy of our souls as Christ followers. I don't know what does. Maybe you're a parent. Parents. This is just an invitation. Just, you, know, you, you know, your kids are learning more about following Jesus and what it means to follow Jesus and love God through just watching your life. You know, what you prioritize, what you do with your time, where you spend your time. You know, our kids are watching us. They're watching our habits. 
They're picking up what's important to us. And so we need to realize that we are, we are raising up a generation whose faith is going to be modeled on ours, on yours. Oh. And, and, and here's, a, here's a, a shout out to moms or primary caregivers in the home. I know life can get crazy. I know there's times when, you know, a quiet time is getting to the, losing your kids long enough to go to the toilet in silence for like a minute. You know, Brother Lawrence was a cook. He was a monk, and he, was, and he did a lot of dishes. And it, and, and it was while he was doing these really mundane tasks that he realized to, that he could practice the presence of God in the ordinary every day. Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying God wants you to spend an hour a day in his presence or you need to get this right 100% of the time. Or uh, uh, God's saying to us, I'm inviting you into my presence. I mean, you're a people of my presence. You need to be vitally connected to me. And so even in the ordinary, the mundane, just consciously put yourself in God's presence. Invite his presence in you. So, so give yourself a little bit of a break, moms. Okay, what happens if we are a presence people? What happens if we get this right? Well, how beautiful is this verse, verse 27? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. I mean, it's a gift. This is a promise that time in God's presence will lead to increased peace, a gift of peace. It's impossible and inconceivable as a Christ follower to try and live the Christian life outside of God's presence. Impossible. It, it, it's, we are a people of his presence. So when we start getting this right, when we start practicing God's presence, spending time in his presence, we're going to grow more secure. Our lives will take on you know, deeper and truer significance. Our life purpose will become clearer in the face of all the competing visions for our life. Our anxieties will be calmed. Our fears will stop running riots over our lives. Our temptations will be brought into the light. You will experience growth in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You'll be more present to the beauty of life as God designed it than ever before. And I know we all want more of that. We are a people of his presence. Let me call the band up. We're gonna, we're gonna sing a song. Why don't you stand for a second? As we, as we sing this song, this is the time for you to, to respond to what you feel like God's been saying to you. you Sing along if you wish to sing along. If you don't want to sing along, just, just do business with God. But let's enjoy this time together. I know I didn't give you guys much warning. <laughs>